Welcome to the Calvary Chapel South Bay Sermon Podcast. We are a large, multi-ethnic, multi-generational church in Los Angeles, California, and we'd love to have you visit us for a service if you're in the LA area. Visit ccsouthbay.org to learn more about us and to find out service times. If you have any questions, shoot us an email at hello at ccsouthbay.org. Enjoy today's sermon, and we hope to see you at church soon. If you turn in your Bibles to the book of Isaiah, Isaiah chapter 7, and continuing our series on hope, hope for the holidays, and in this case, we've seen the prophecies of hope, we've seen the promises of hope, and now I want to focus in on our daily hope, because that is where our lives are touched by the Lord. And and we have this incredible prophecy that was given by the prophet Isaiah at a time uh, that's very similar to the world that we live in. So imagine the prophet Isaiah writing 2,700 years or so ago, writing words to a group of people who are now already the remnant of the children of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, Jacob being the 12 sons, the children of Israel divided into two groups, Ephraim, Israel in the north, and Judah in the south. And it's only Judah that really is the focus of this particular prophetic event because they're about to be trapped inside of the city of Jerusalem and the Assyrian army is marching and is going to be on their doorstep within less than 20 years. And so it's a tumultuous time. It's a dangerous time. It's a disastrous time. Uh, It is a time of disruption. Uh, It's a time of disease. It's a time much like the time that we live in right now. And I want you to see what the promise was to the Jewish people, to Judah, to us, when there was a time that was dangerous and a time that was problematic in their life. What would God say to a people whose situation was like that? And it is a promise of daily hope. And so would you pray with me? And we'll pick up here in verse 1 of Isaiah 7. Father, thank you for our Emmanuel that you are with us every moment of every day. You're with us when we sleep. You're with us when we're awake. Your hand is not shortened so that you cannot save. You're never stumped. You're never outgunned. You're never overmanned. You're never in a spot, Lord, where you can't be that ever-present help that we need in a time of difficulty. And so, Lord, I pray for those who have come today and they need to be encouraged. Not only has this year been tough, maybe today is tough. Would you speak to us and give us hope today, Lord? We need your hope. We ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. And now it came to pass in the days of Ahaz, the son of Jotham, the son of Uzziah, the king of Judah. Uzziah was a great king. And he had a godly son, Jotham, but his son, not so much. And so the the great king, Uzziah, has died. And in fact, the whole premise that we see in chapter 6 of the book of Isaiah is in the year that 
King Uzziah died, that Isaiah saw the Lord lifted up. It was then that he saw God big in his life. It's like this great king is gone. And with the removal of that great king, the dependence that Isaiah had to have on the Lord grew. And I think that's our year. A lot of the things that we've been hoping in and trusting in and relying on and leaning on have disappeared. Maybe your king, Uzziah, has died this year. Maybe it was something in your work life or maybe something in your family life. It it may have literally been that someone in your life has passed. They're no longer with you. It is in that moment that the Lord begins to speak to the children of Israel, to the remnant of them trapped now really in Jerusalem. That Rezin, the king of Syria, and Pekah, the son of Remaliah, which means good for nothing, (laughs) king of Israel, went up to Jerusalem to make war against it, but it could not prevail against it. And it was told to the house of David, saying Syria's forces are deployed in Ephraim. So to put this into perspective, it'd be kind of like we're here in L.A., And we find out that Ventura County and San Bernardino County and Orange County and San Diego County are now occupied by enemy forces and they're marching on L.A. We're surrounded. We're trapped. There's no way out. We can't head out to sea. They've got ships out there. It's grim. Syria's forces or Assyria's forces in this case in the region of modern-day Syria deployed in the ten northern tribes. So north of Jerusalem are ten of the twelve tribes. Judah and Benjamin are in the south, and that's it. So there's less than 20% of the children of Israel left. Most of them have been taken captive already. And so his heart and the heart of his people were moved as the trees of the woods are moved by the wind. And maybe that's where this starts to touch us a little bit. There's been some movement, I think, in a lot of our hearts. There have been things that we've been faced with this year, things that we've had to try and tackle that have been troublesome and difficult. There are things that we've gone through that maybe have buffeted you, blown you around a little bit, and perhaps you, like the children of Judah, like King Ahaz, Maybe your world is a little topsy-turvy. Christmas was, let's just face it, it was bizarre. It was strange. It didn't feel right to a lot of people. I, I've talked to a number of people, and just that's the common theme. It just didn't feel right. Why? Well, we're in the midst of a pandemic. People are perishing. People are ill. The economy's upside down. People have lost their jobs. They're facing foreclosure. They're facing the loss of their homes. They don't know what they're going to do. They have no idea what's going to happen tomorrow. And because of that, it seems as though the wind is blowing hard in our lives. This is the very thing that Isaiah faced in Jerusalem. This was their story. And for a sense of background, you can read the remainder of this at your leisure. But basically, these two smoking firebrands come, these guys that are good for nothing, and they're making a case against the children of Israel, saying, look, 
you know, it's going to be rough on you. If you read the news right now, which I encourage you not to do very frequently, uh, it seems as though there's nothing but smoking firebrands. It's like every bit of news is seemingly not good news. It seems to be bad news. But there's a word of hope that begins to come in verse 8. For the head of Syria is Damascus, the head of Damascus is resin, and within 65 years Ephraim will be broken, so that it will not be a people. It doesn't sound good. But the reason God is saying this is, look, if you trust in something other than me, if you put your hope, your faith, your trust, if your daily hope is in someone other than the Lord then take heed. Because the truth of the matter is, Ephraim would be taken. They they would be gone. They would disappear. But there's a word of hope that comes in the midst of that difficulty. And it's a word for you. It's a word for me. If you will not believe, then surely you shall not be established. In other words, you're going to have hopelessness if you do not believe. If you're not willing to rest and trust, if you will not stop and consider who it is that is your help and your only hope, because right now we have God-sized problems, amen? The world has God-sized problems. The difficulties are not the type of thing that that one could say, well, we just make another treaty, it'll all be okay. We come up with another vaccine, it's going to be well tomorrow. We keep hearing bits of good news in the midst of a lot of bad news. And so here's the word for us. Moreover, the Lord spoke again, verse 10 to Ahaz, saying, Ask a sign for yourself from the Lord God and ask either in the depths or in the height above. He's saying, look, I've told you what's going to happen. If you don't believe it's not going to go good, Ephraim's going to disappear. And so the contrast here is what happens if you believe? Where where do you end up when you put your hope and your trust in something other than this earth? And so Ahaz, an evil king, I might add, is told by the Lord, look, ask me anything. But Ahaz said, I will not ask, nor will I test the Lord. Now, why would he do that? Because he didn't want to hear what the Lord had to say. Because out of the things that we face in life, we're always going to be asked questions about our faith, what we believe, in whom we have trusted. And Ahaz had already made up his mind. I'm going with my gut. I'm going to do what seems right in my own eyes. Matter of fact, the book of Kings and Chronicles tells us what's going on. He's already made a treaty with the very people who have already taken the northern tribes captive and wiped them out. In fact, he's raided the temple itself. 
melted down the gold and silver from the temple, and he's going to use it as a bribe for the king of Syria. Church, you can't buy your way out of your faith. God is going to test your faith. He's testing our faith together, cumulatively, collectively at this time. And so Isaiah, writing for the Lord, says, Hear now, house of David. Is it a small thing for you to weary men? Will you weary my God also? What a question. It's bad enough that you've messed up people, but are you going to try and weary God with your nonsense? Are you going to keep going the wrong direction? And therefore, the Lord himself will give you a sign. You won't ask for one. You won't do the right thing. You won't turn the right direction. I'm going to give you a sign anyway. And behold, here's the sign. You want to know what the sign is to you today, to us today, to the church today? It's still the same sign. When things are going bad, when things are going backwards, when things are brutal, when things are hard, when things are difficult and you do not know what to do, the Lord is speaking the same thing to you today and me today. Here's your sign, Jeff. Here it is. Behold, a virgin shall conceive and bear a son and shall call his name Emmanuel. Ahaz, you want to turn to the flesh? Oh, you can do that. You have free will. You want to go the wrong direction? You want to do the wrong thing? You can. I'm not going to stop you. But I'm here to tell you that that won't solve your problem. That won't fix what's going on right now in Judah. That is not going to cure what ills you, what's causing you pain. The Assyrians aren't going to stop. The gold won't do it. And neither will all of our dealings with this world. That is why John writes to us and says, Do not love the world or anything in it, for all that is of the world the lust of the eyes, the lust of the flesh, the pride of life is perishing. It's going to disappear. That's not the real deal. The real deal is the unseen world and the real solution to our problem is Emmanuel, God with his people. That's the word of hope in a time of trouble And here you have the greatest statesman probably in the Old Testament. Speaking of a time that we could say is unprecedented. How many times have we used that word this year? It's unprecedented. Never before. Never seen anything like it. And those words are true, aren't they? Those are not false words. Those are true words. But it's only unprecedented to us. It's not unprecedented in humankind. This isn't even remotely the worst thing that's ever happened on the face of the earth. It's not even close. And yet to us, 
It's our moment in history where God is speaking to us and saying, Jeff, Calvary Chapel South Bay, church of God in this world, brothers and sisters in Christ, where are you going to go on a day like today? Are you going to turn to the world or are you going to turn to me? Where is your hope? Look, there was a superpower that was threatening. There's a couple of superpowers in our world right now that are threatening. If you listen to the news, our economy is on the verge of collapse. We, we for sure know that several hundred thousand people have died from COVID-19. Here in L.A., we had 30,000 people infected with COVID yesterday. Yesterday. So one could say, where are you going to turn? Where are you going to go? Who are you going to turn to? What are we going to do in the face of this very difficult time? And the word to Isaiah and the word to the people of Judah was this, Emmanuel. Emmanuel is still with us. God is still with us. And if God be for us, who can be against us? Amen? What can separate us from the love of God? A church, that's not a false clap. That's a clap of reality. That's truth. What can separate us from the love of God? Say it with me. Nothing. Nothing. There isn't anything that can separate you from the love of God that we have in Christ Jesus. That is your Emmanuel moment. That's where we are right now. The things that we've hoped in and trusted in, the things that we have believed in that are not from him necessarily, are being shown for what they are. And I believe God is saying to us in this moment, I am still with you. I haven't left. I haven't abandoned you. It's still going to be okay. I have the whole thing under control. And you're probably saying to you, well, it doesn't seem like it in my life. Well, it didn't seem like it for Jerusalem either. One of the most bizarre things that happens when you travel to Israel is you realize how tiny this little city was. This was not some metropolis. They didn't have a gigantic infrastructure. Matter of fact, they had no reliable water source until the great king Hezekiah dug a tunnel from the springs at Gihon underneath the city of David to the pool of Siloam. Until that tunnel was dug, there was no water in the city. And if you're under siege, there's a couple of things you better have. And water is way up on the top of the list. It's water first and then food. You see, they're looking at this spring going, 
Oh man, we got water now. And I wonder if the church hasn't been doing the same thing. Oh, we got money now. We got a building. And I think what are the lessons we've learned being out here in the parking lot for church is to not trust in that. To not trust in our bank account. To not trust in technology. Do not trust that we have forced air heat. Now, I, I'm going to be the first one to tell you, I'm looking forward to going back inside and having a little more controlled environment and some heat and some air conditioning when necessary and some nice comfy, you're not going to be sitting on hard plastic that's cold when you sit on it. It's all, that stuff's all good. But the king is still worthy if we had none of those things. Amen. And just maybe he's reminding us whether we're here or in there or on a rock or on a beach or whether we're walking someplace through a forest or we're out in the middle of the desert, he is still Emmanuel. Amen? He's still with us. I wonder sometimes if we've kind of gotten away from that understanding that richly and deeply touches our life every moment of every day. I know for myself, and I'll say this for me, and if it touches you, praise the Lord. I have had non-Emmanuel moments during this time. There's been moments like, Lord, not another email. Could you, like, crash their computer or keyboard or something, Lord? If I get another text from another person that wants to sell me a sanitizing machine for the church, could you please break their teeth out of their mouth? I've had those moments. It's like, I just, it's like, I'm done. And then I have to repent. And I have to go back to where I need to be as a pastor and go, he's still Emmanuel. He's still got this. I don't understand all the little tidbits, pieces, and parts, but I understand who he is. And he is no less capable and no less worthy today than when this whole thing started. And so church, our daily hope is still the same hope in that sense. Historically, within 65 years, the northern kingdom is going to be completely gone. But that didn't stop Emmanuel. And it did not stop God from doing exactly what he said he would do. He would preserve a remnant. Now you're probably saying to yourself, well, you know, but I mean, 10 10 of the 12 tribes got wiped out. Yes, they did. But God never destroys for the sake of destruction. He always destroys for the sake of rebuilding. Always. He is always doing a new thing, a good thing, a new work. He's not just simply wiping things out because he takes great delight. Well, they're just evil sinners. Let's kill them. And some of you are probably sitting here, well, God should kill me. Yeah, you're right. He probably should. Me too. Let's all admit that. Let's, let's say there's none righteous, not one. We, we are going to receive what we do not deserve. That's called grace, church. That's the beauty of it. 
But you see, we have to do what Ahaz refused to do. And that is to ask for a sign. Say, Lord, show me a sign. God, what are you, you going to show me today? And you know what you're going to find? You're going to find God with you every moment of every day. He's going to speak to you. He's going to tell you things. He's going to be with you wherever you go in those moments where you're uncertain. He's the certain one in your uncertainty. He's the powerful one when you're weak. He's the one who has all knowledge when you don't even know what to think. He's still Emmanuel. This whole picture is really kind of a fulfillment of what God had told Adam and Eve in the garden. Look, one day the seed of the woman is going to take care of this problem. Emmanuel's going to come. God with us is going to be. And he is. We, we just celebrated the birth of Jesus. And in doing so, we're reminded of what he did. Church, let's not lose that in the, in the busyness and the chaos of all the things that are going on right now. Because you can. You, you can look at what's going on in our world and say, well, I just don't see the Lord. I don't see him high and lifted up. I just see my problems. That is an awe problem with you. It's an awe problem with me. It's I have lost the awe of who God actually is. I, I start just seeing the problems. I start looking at the horizon. I can't see past it, and so I, I wonder what's there, and I forget who's there. You see, God was with us before COVID was with us. Amen? God was with you before the financial issues that have come upon you because of COVID. And he's going to be with you when this is over. He's with you now. He'll be with you then. He was with you before. I sometimes wonder what Mary thought when the angel of the Lord came and said to her, the power of the Most High will be upon you. And oh, by the way, I just want to remind you, your offspring is going to be called the Son of God. Imagine getting that message, ladies. I say, what? Did I hear you correctly? Why? Because he was Emmanuel. He's God with us. He was also named after his father, Yahushua. Jesus, God of salvation. We so sometimes miss the totality of the Christmas story that our hope gets dim. The Apostle Paul, speaking of this very same hope, writing to Timothy in 1 Timothy 3, said there in verse 16, and without controversy, great is the mystery of godliness. Look, it's a, it's a mystery, no doubt. Great is that mystery to me today, too, and to you, no doubt. 
what was the mystery that the Apostle Paul wrote to Timothy about? Because we're told exactly what it is. God was manifested in the flesh. God came to earth. God came to be with us. That's a mystery, church. Anybody that tells you they can explain that, just, just look at them kind of with a weird look. It's like nobody can explain the totality of God with us. I get asked frequently, well, can you explain to me the Trinity? And sometimes I'll say, just looking at them, I'll just go, no. I have read entire volumes on one word that does not exist in the Bible, Trinity. Can you? Well, no, I really can't. God became flesh, that God exists in three persons. These things I believe, but can I explain? No, great is the mystery of godliness. God's left a few things out of our purview, church. He hasn't told us everything. He's told us enough, though. He's told us he's with us. The question is, are we going to believe him today? Am I going to rest in that truth? He was justified, just as the Apostle Paul said in the Spirit. He was seen by angels. He was preached among the Gentiles, believed on in the world, and he was received up into glory. That's Emmanuel. That's God with us. That's who he is. He'll never be any less than that. And just because we can't clearly define how he's going to do what he's going to do today in our lives does not make him any less Emmanuel. He's still God with us. I got up this morning and it was, you know, sometimes, I don't know if it ever happens to you, but the Lord just wakes me up. And sometimes I argue with him when he wakes me up too early. It's like, oh, see. You ever do that? You look at the clock and you're like, because oh, yeah. it's just late enough, it's too late, right? But it's way too early also. And I looked at the clock and I said, really? It's Christmas, Lord. And he said, Emmanuel calling. We need to have a chat. Like, Lord, I don't want to talk right now. I'm hardly coherent. He said, that's okay. Get up anyway. I went downstairs and made four pots of coffee. Just one. And sat down and the Lord just said, Jeff, I want you to preach this like you mean it. I said, oh, Lord, I'm sorry. Was I disingenuous? He said, no. He said, their lives depend on it, Jeff. The church's life depends on Emmanuel. God with us. Because in times like this, there's nobody else that's good enough. There's nobody else that's strong enough. There's nobody else worthy enough. He's the only answer right now. And I think he likes it like that every once in a while. You see, when John's gospel begins this way, verse 14, and the word 
became flesh. Remember verse 1, in the beginning was the Word, and the Word was both with God, and the Word himself was God, and the Word became flesh and dwelt among us, and we beheld his glory as the glory of the only begotten of the Father, full of grace and truth. The truth is the Word became flesh and dwelt among us. He's Emmanuel. That's our Savior. That's our hope. That's my hope. That's your hope. That's why the book of Hebrews begins with God at various times in various ways in times past, spoke to our fathers by the prophets and has in these last days spoken to us by his son. Emmanuel. God with us. Church, he's still with us. Every moment of every day, every situation you're going through, every difficulty you face, all of the problems, all of the stuff, the things that we can't really see, how is this going to happen? We're watching Congress battle back and forth, all these things going on that are Touching lives, our lives, our family's lives, our neighbor's lives, our city's lives, our county's, our state, our world. And we're going, who can save us? He can. He can. Because he's still God with us. And he's going to be God with us when this pandemic is gone. And the next thing comes. He's going to be God with us on the good days and God with us on the bad days. He's going to be God with us when we have times of plenty and times of want. He's going to be God with us when we're well and when we're sick. And I believe here in the book of Isaiah that God intended the sign to be earth-shaking. It's like, look, Ahaz, you don't want a sign? Well, I'm going to give everybody hope anyway. Here's the sign. When you see that babe in a manger, Emmanuel. When you're facing sickness, Emmanuel. When you're facing financial problems, Emmanuel. When you're going through times of difficulty in politics and government, Emmanuel. When you don't know where to turn, Emmanuel. When your life is upside down and you need it made right side up, Emmanuel. God is with us personally in our relationship with Christ Jesus, his own son. He came to do that for us. It's why the Spirit came upon Mary and this incredible thing that we call the virgin birth happened. It was a sign. Nobody should be confused by this. 
When Mary said, I am a virgin, it's the same words that Jesus used to describe himself, I am the truth. I am the way. I am the life. Mary said the same thing. I am a virgin. How can this be? Emmanuel. God with us. God wants to be with us, church. That's why we shared on Christmas Eve. He's both the child who was born and the son who was given. He's Emmanuel. Jesus has never been less than God, and he's never been without us. He's not a distant God. He's not like the Greek pantheon that sits on top of Mount Olympus going, oh boy, what can I get out of the world today? No, he's God with you. He's God with me. He's fully God and yet fully man. And the part that makes that so beautiful is Jesus knows what's afflicting you. Jesus knows your pain. He knows your difficulty. He knows your problems. He knows why you hurt and where you hurt. He knows what to do about your hurts. He knows how to help you find the greatest joy in life. He knows what to do with the good things and how to protect you from the bad ones. He is God with you. He is God with me. He is fully human at the same time, fully God. And I love that. Because, you know, I, I can't really relate to God himself all that well. I don't know about you. But I can relate to Jesus. Why? He was homeless too. Jesus was homeless, church. Jesus did not shop at Nordstrom's. First Christmas gifts, barn. His friends, mm, we might call them a little bit loose in the caboose. They were not the sharpest tools in the shed. You read the story of the apostles, the disciples, you're going, them? The brightest and the best among them, Peter, was also dumb as a hot rock. And yet he was with us. He didn't leave. He didn't go, oh man, this didn't work out well. Think about it. Jesus shows up at the beach after his resurrection and the disciples are all going, well, maybe we should go back to fishing. You would think Jesus, if he was really not into us all that much, would have gone, oh, man, I picked the wrong guys. But he didn't. Instead, he chooses that moment to restore Peter to fullness in ministry. Peter, do you love me? Feed my sheep. Feed my lambs. Tend my lambs. Peter, it's going to be okay because I'm going to be with you wherever you go. I'm still Emmanuel. That's why I'm here, Peter. And maybe you need that message today. 
I think that's why the Apostle Paul in Colossians chapter 2 and verses 8 through 10 said this, Beware, beware, lest anyone cheat you through philosophy, empty deceit, according to the tradition of men, according to the basic principles of this world, and not according to Christ. For in him dwells the fullness of the Godhead bodily, and in him you are complete, who is the head of all principality and power. His hand is still not short so that it cannot save. He is with us, church. And even though times are hard, even though difficulty has come to many of us, and I mean no disrespect, not to anyone, no diminishing whatsoever what you're personally going through today, but my word to you is God's word to you. And that word is Emmanuel. God is with us. Amen? Amen. Would you stand and we'll close in prayer. you're here today and you don't know Jesus, you don't know this Emmanuel, if you're watching online and you don't know him, we have pastors online that would be delighted to share the simple gospel with you. We have pastors available today to do the same thing. If, if you don't know him, then you are pretty much defenseless in this world. And I encourage you to turn to him right now and say, Lord, be my Emmanuel. I'm inviting you to come and meet me where I'm at. Forgive my sin. Cleanse my life. I want to walk with you. So let's pray, church. Father, we thank you for sending Jesus into this world that the world through him, through you, Jesus, would be saved. Lord, you're the only name under heaven whereby men can be saved. You are the way and truth and life, and no one comes to the Father but by you. And so if there's anyone today that doesn't know you right now in the quietness of their heart, would they confess their sin, ask for forgiveness, and invite you to be the Lord of their life and Savior? be their Emmanuel. And for us who do know you, Lord, forgive us those moments when we stop trusting and start fretting. Lord, help us to to not turn to the flesh for things that can only be solved by your Spirit. So Lord, as you prayed for the disciples, increase our faith. Help us to walk in the light of you, Jesus, our Emmanuel our ever-present help, our God who is with us. It's in your name, Jesus, we pray these things. And God's people all said, Amen. Thanks for listening, and we hope you were encouraged by today's message. If you have any questions or just want to check us out, make sure to visit us at ccsouthbay.org. God bless you guys, and we'll see you next week.